The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Welcome to hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along on the Answer Network. 98.9 Columbus, 94.5 in Dayton. Of course, we are eight days from the midterm elections. And the campaigns are ramping up, bringing in uh, every piece of political firepower that they can. J.D. Vance against Tim Ryan in the Senate race. And that is why our next guest, Steve Cortez, is available to us today. He has thoughts on the Senate race in Ohio. Steve has been a commentator on virtually every network out there, CNBC, Fox, Newsmax, CNN. Steve, welcome to the show. And are you in Ohio today campaigning for J.D. Vance? Bruce, I appreciate it. I will be tomorrow, coming your way tomorrow to Columbus, because, as I'm sure you're probably aware, Fox News is doing a town hall, so it's not quite a debate, but both of the candidates are going to be in the same room, Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, answering questions from regular Ohio voters, 6 p.m. tomorrow night on Fox News from Columbus, Ohio. So I will be arriving tomorrow, uh, and thrilled to get back there. I've done a lot of campaigning for J.D. all across your great state, met a ton of uh, amazing people. It was a really hard-fought primary that he triumphed in, um, and I like the trajectory of where his race is going right now. We're taking nothing for granted, of course, uh, but I do believe that we're leading, and I believe he's going to earn the support of all Ohioans in just eight days to be their senator. Steve Cortez, our guest. Follow Steve on Twitter, at Steve Cortez, and it's C-O-R-T-E-S. And Steve, what do you like about J.D.'s economic policies relative to the policies that we have seen play out over the last uh, two years? Sure. Well, listen, I would uh, describe him as an economic populist nationalist. And what I mean by that is uh, he believes, uh, for good, valid reasons, for evidence-based reasons, that that the, quote, free trade agenda of the Washington establishment, which has really been pretty bipartisan, it's been Democrats like Tim Ryan, and it's been a lot of establishment Republicans for the last couple of decades in this country, has been incredibly damaging to American workers, particularly workers in places like Ohio, the industrial heartland, uh, was largely decimated by awful trade deals with China, six, six, uh, particularly, which was not reciprocal, was not actually free trade in reality. It was very much managed trade that was managed against the interests of American workers. So to be specific in terms of policy going forward, for example, he believes that we need a much uh, uh, harsher and more stringent approach to China, that we need bigger tariffs against China to protect American workers and American industries against predatory trade practices, and uh, and he also espouses, and I think this is important because there's not a lot of politicians who talk about these sort of foundational issues, uh, but he does, J.D. Vance does. He talks about uh, the policies, and trade's part of it, but the policies that get America back to a place where a family, if it chooses, can comfortably thrive on a single middle-class income. Uh, that used to be kind of the accepted reality in America when I was young, and I'm mm-hmm. a middle-aged guy. Uh, but when I was young, uh, and it went away. And it went away, I think, for a variety of reasons, many of which had to do with economic globalism. And we hardly ever even talk about it going away, whether or not that's actually you know, a good thing societally, is it good economically, is it good culturally for our country. And again, we're not saying that uh, this is not to say that every family has to have uh, a man working and a woman at home. No, we're not saying that. We're not trying to make choices for people. But what we would like to have are options for people where they can thrive if they choose to. And polling shows us that overwhelmingly, Families want to have that option. They don't have it right now, far too many middle-class families, um, and particularly in the present because of the inflationary madness, which is just gripping this country and which Tim Ryan owns because he has voted in lockstep 
with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden for their disastrous economic policy, which has brought so much inflationary pain to this country. Yeah, uh, we have uh, documented many times Ryan's support for the Biden agenda. I I wonder if you had any dealings with him. I mean, you're familiar. He's uh, misrepresenting his record in his campaign. He has gone so far as to say he's not only a moderate, but an independent. He's voted with Joe Biden 100 percent of the time. You were on the Trump uh, team advising the president on uh, matters related to the economy, given your expertise over the years at CNBC and your 20 years trading on Wall Street. Uh, I know, you know, there's 435 congressmen, roughly half of them are Democrats. Maybe you didn't have any head-to-head dealings with Tim Ryan, but uh, I'm interested in your view of how he's portrayed his record, given your, given your experience sure. with him. No, and listen, so, you know, I don't have one-on-one experience with him, but I became really aware of him, and I you know, certainly knew who he was, but I really started studying him and following him in 2020 when he ran for president. And, of course, that was a pretty ill-fated venture. He didn't get very far in the Democratic primary, but regardless... It was a fascinating shift for him, and I think it really reveals how duplicitous he is, how two-faced he is. Uh, he pretends when he's in eastern Ohio, when he's home in his district, he pretends to be sort of this pragmatic moderate. But then when he ran for president just two years ago, I mean, we're not talking ancient history, right? Two years ago when he ran for president to try to appeal to the radicals of the Democratic base, um, he was every bit as lefty as AOC or any member of the squad. And to be specific, for example... He said that he was against fracking, a huge, huge issue, obviously, for all of America, but especially for Ohio, where the eastern portion of the state is so energy rich. He also said that he believes in releasing all nonviolent federal inmates. Uh, Well, that includes drug traffickers, including fentanyl traffickers. And Ohio, quite tragically, is the third worst state in America for overdose deaths. So uh, the the idea that he, with those kinds of radical views, being anti-energy, um, being in favor of opening the prison doors and letting out you know, streams of criminals, including drug traffickers. Uh, those kinds of radical policies are so out of step with Ohio and with Midwestern heartland values that it can't possibly play. Now, he knows that. He's cunning enough to know that. So he has now returned in 2022 to talking like he's somebody who's pragmatic. But the reality is if you look at his actions, at his votes especially, according to 538, which is, if anything, a left-leaning data organization, polling and data organization, uh, they say that he has voted 100% of the time with the Biden and Pelosi uh, agenda. So that's who he is. And he, he's a very typical lifelong politician in that reality, um, in, in his duplicity, in his, you know, his hypocrisy. A lot of lifelong politicians are like that. He literally has only worked in politics every day of his adult life, was a first political operative before becoming a congressman, a very uh, unsuccessful congressman, I might add. His district has lost 50,000 jobs during his tenure in the U.S. House, and yet he dares to ask the people of Ohio uh, for a promotion. But uh, as a lifelong politician, as somebody who's willing to try, I, I call him a political weather vane. You know, he tries to determine where he thinks the political winds are blowing, and then he'll face that direction. He's not a person who is anchored in principles. I see the exact opposite, though, in J.D. Vance. You know, this is somebody who's coming to politics he doesn't need politics. It is a second career for him. He's already been incredibly successful as an entrepreneur and businessman. He's already um, very regarded in media because of his uh, very successful best-selling book and the movie adaptation of it. This is not somebody who needs politics, uh, but he's coming to it out of patriotic obligation, and I believe will bring that true outsider's perspective that is so needed. Somebody to go to Washington to be a fighter, not to get along with the establishment, but to be a fighter for the people of Ohio, to be a political disruptor, 
uh, and I think he's going to make an amazing senator. You know, and again, I like the the uh, trajectory of his race. He's certainly in leading right now, but taking absolutely nothing for granted, going to earn the vote of every single Ohio. And, and part of that, I hope, will be tomorrow night. And I really encourage that any of the folks listening or people they know are undecided or leaning one way or the other but haven't really committed, uh, please watch tomorrow night because I think you will see both the intelligence and the authenticity of J.D. Vance. And conversely, I think you'll see the duplicity. I think you'll see the dishonesty uh, of Tim Ryan on display live in front of regular Ohioans uh, studio audience. So I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting back to the state of Ohio and meeting some, uh, some great Buckeyes and attending this terrific forum. Steve Cortez is our guest. You can follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Cortez, C-O-R-T-E-S. He's a financial commentator, longtime experience on Wall Street. He's been on many of the networks. He'll be in Ohio tomorrow campaigning on behalf of J.D. Vance. And that town hall, that Fox town hall, will take place in the short north. It'll air live at, uh, not live, it'll it'll be filmed in the afternoon, I think, and air uh, in the special report slot at 6 p.m. with Brett Baer and Martha McCallum moderating. Steve, if you could, if I could mine your economic expertise for a second. You know, we all know the inflation rate, and we understand the prices at the pump, but it looks to me like there are some things on the horizon that could make it even worse. Rail strike, which the Biden administration told us, oh, nothing to see here, the rail thing is settled, but now the unions are saying, no, guess, we got you over a barrel, we might want more. And the diesel situation, where diesel is in short supply, we've had eight refineries shut down. What do you see in like a minute? What do you see on the horizon, given those two scenarios? Yeah, listen, I think the, the reality of inflation is that, if anything, uh, the risks are rising. You know, in the most recent CPI report, the uh, Consumer Price Index, we got out, the, we had the highest core inflation. That's where it strips out food and energy. Uh, of course, no Americans can do that in their budget, but it does that to try to take out some of the more volatile factors. Uh, it was the highest core CPI inflation in 40 years. Uh, so this is not a problem that's gone away. The Biden... Uh, I believe that it's, quote, transitory, uh, if anything but. If anything, it is very sticky. Uh, and, yes, I think, unfortunately, as temperatures drop, uh, we could be looking toward a very cruel winter in many ways, particularly as it relates to the supply of diesel and the affordability of, uh, of natural gas and heating oil to heat American homes. So it's a really dismal situation. The hour that is late, uh, the situation is dire. We need to change this Congress immediately. J.D. Vance is a big part of that. Steve, thanks for your time. I appreciate you uh, being available and coming on the show. You bet. Thanks for having me. There you go. Steve Cortez, he'll be in town tomorrow, the J.D. Vance Town Hall. He and Ryan will not appear on stage at the same time, is my understanding of this town hall, that one will be on before the other, and I don't know which one is which. Maybe J.D. Vance will know tomorrow. J.D.'s going to join us right out of the top of the show. Tomorrow, uh, I want to ask him uh, the wisdom of allowing Tim Ryan to have access to voters who watch Fox. I'm not sure I would have done that. There has to be a reason why J.D. Vance decided to do it. We'll ask him that when he visits with us tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Cortez for joining us here on The Bruce Hooley Show. Uh, you have a choice of uh, sporting events to occupy your viewing pleasure tonight. We have World Series Game 3 and we have Bengals and Browns on Monday Night Football. Uh, both of them, both of them, whether it's the Bengals, the Browns, the Phillies, or the Astros, uh, would like to have their heavy hitters show up tonight uh, so that they can get a victory. Uh, the Democratic Party is bringing out its heavy hitter. Barack Obama, the former president, is on the campaign trail. He was in the state of Michigan yesterday. 
And he was asking questions about uh, what will happen to voters in the state of Michigan if Republicans take over the House and the Senate. And he posed a very interesting question that I uh, would like to answer for him since he seems to be in the dark as to what the answer might be. But here is Barack Obama yesterday in the state of North. Reading up on on some of these candidates on the other side. Lord have mercy. They they have promised, they promised, if they get control of Congress, they'll spend the next two years investigating their political opponents, including Joe Biden. Some of them said they'll impeach Joe Biden. When you ask them what for, They're not sure yet. You're laughing, but it's true. They're all like, well, I don't know. We're we're kind of, we're trying to figure it out. Now, here's the question. How is that going to help you and your family if that's all they're spending their time doing? Okay, allow me to answer. First of all, am I the only one who notices that when Barack Obama is talking to an audience that is predominantly black he plays up his ghetto accent accent a lot more than he does when he's talking to a Harvard or Yale audience. Like, am I the only one who notices that? He has always done it, always done it, to uh, give himself some kind of credibility, I guess he thinks. Street cred. With his audience, yeah. So um, he says Republicans are going to try to impeach Joe Biden, and they don't even know why yet. Well... Uh, Let me explain to Barack Obama how an impeachment works. You bring articles of impeachment, and then you have a hearing, and then whatever comes out in the hearing, in the testimony, will either demonstrate the charges that you have being authentic, or, you know, in the case of Joe Biden particularly, might lead to other charges. Because, I mean, impeach Joe Biden for things he did while he was vice president under you, I can understand why that would make you move heaven and earth to disparage all reasons for examining Joe Biden's activities. Because if Joe Biden, let's just say spitball in here, took money from, oh, I don't know, China or the Ukraine while he was vice president of the United States and his son Hunter was flying around the country or flying out of country on Air Force Two, let's say, with his dad, to China, and coming back with suitcases full of cash. I'm just I'm just saying that might not look good for your legacy as president. So there's a lot of things we don't know about Joe Biden's business dealings. Is he the big guy? Is Tony Bobolinsky right? Is Tony Bobolinsky's phones with all the data and all the text messages and all the emails? I don't think that uh, Merrick Garland has exactly moved heaven and earth to find out how deep Joe Biden's tentacles may extend into the coffers of those who are sworn enemies of the United States. So those are things like that we like to do on the Republican side of the aisle. It's called due process. It's called uh, investigative work. It's called pursuing every lead to its... Uh, logical end. So yeah, I can't tell you exactly. I can't tell you if we'll impeach Joe Biden for what he did with Burisma 
or whether he did something with China. I can't tell you whether we might impeach him because, let's say, something went on in the last two years related to COVID and vaccine mandates. If Joe Biden knew that Big Pharma did not test its vaccines to see if they did prevent transmission, but he went out in front of the American people and said, if you get the vaccine, you're not going to you're not going to get COVID and you're not going to spread COVID. If he knew that before he went out, well, that to me would be lying to the American people about a matter of public health. That might be an impeachable offense. So just saying there are myriad options there that Joe Biden might be culpable for, might be responsible for, might be impeachable for. And so, yes, we can't give you specifics because we think there's a lot there. And there's a lot there that we would like to check into. So I'm always happy to help the former president. I think a man of his great education and experience in government would know the answers to questions like that. But of course, he doesn't want to know the answer to questions like that, because ultimately, if Joe Biden committed impeachable acts as vice president or now as president, well, that's not going to look good for Barack Obama's legacy. Okay. Elon Musk has taken over Twitter and it is driving all the left-wingers out there absolutely positively crazy. And I told you the other day, I don't know if Elon Musk is the uh, savior of free speech or if he's a Bond villain and he's going to turn on us when we think that uh, he's in our corner and he's going to, you know, become some notorious guy bent on worldwide domination. I do know this. Elon Musk is not going to get $20 a month out of me so that I can preserve my blue check mark on Twitter. There's a rumor out there, a report out there, it's more than a rumor, that in order to monetize Twitter, Elon Musk wants to charge people who have a blue check mark. They're thus verified that when you look at their Twitter account, they are who they are labeled that they are. That he's going to charge people $20 a month to keep their blue check mark. Now, I did not seek my blue check mark. Someone at an organization that I used to work for thought it would be a big deal to get the blue check mark. So they did it for me. Um, and I've had people from time to time say, wow, you got a blue check mark. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, it's not something I put on my resume. Uh, I was me before Twitter said I was me. And I will be me if Twitter ceases to say that I am me. But $20 a month, I suppose there are organizations that will pay that for their journalists to preserve their blue checkmark status? I won't even ask. I won't even ask here if they want to pay that because I don't think they would because I don't want to pay it. Why would I make my company pay it if I'm not interested in paying it? So I would pump the brakes a bit on assuming that that will actually be the case. Maybe it'll be $5, $10, $15. In fact, he had a Twitter poll about that. 